Support for this episode of Talking Tesla and the following message come from Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital's online investment platform allows you to invest in solar energy products across the United States. Earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution and combating global climate change. In fact, investors like you financed 40 large-scale projects in 2016, offsetting the equivalent of 2.5 million pounds of CO2 from burning coal. You can begin investing with as little as $1,000. And best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't charge any investor fees. To learn more, create a free account at wondercapital.com forward slash Tesla. That's Wonder with a U. W-U-N-D-E-R capital.com forward slash Tesla. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure there's some math. Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, that's to drive a car without autopilot. So here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good park at all. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. Just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Yep, I remember that. You've got a Model X. I've seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's talking to their 83. Oh my god, the best part about this show is what, Mel? Um, the fact that we're in an incredibly hot room because the studio isn't done yet? No. Uh, the fact that it's uh, comes right after 82? No. Um, I'm not sure, Tom, what? Well, it's not that it's Sunday, okay. because it's Sunday, it's that... Hey, let's ask Robert. What's the best thing about this episode? Oh, Robert's not here. Oh, why are you so mean to Robert when he's not here? You know he listens to the show. What? Yeah. Oh, then uh, that's not the best thing about this show. That's actually going to be the worst thing about this show because I have come to rely on Robert's fact-based quality information, let's yeah. call it. Yeah, we're regressing back to the old days. <laughs> As opposed to what we used to do. And we're going to do again today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're doing it on Sunday because tomorrow morning I've got to go to the travel medicine clinic and get shot with an enormous number of vaccinations and other things. Where are you going? I'm going to Africa, to Kenya, where Barack Obama was born. Please don't. Don't don't, don't <laughs> oh, ruin I heard my that. Sunday with your crap, okay? <laughs> I heard that. When somewhere. are you going to Kenya? I'm going to Kenya in June. Nice. For the for summer vacation? to go see a friend of ours that runs a non-profit that my wife's on the board of and we're going to go there and uh, she runs a palliative care clinic in Kenya and then while we're there maybe we'll go see some monkeys, hyenas, lions, tigers and other things. That sounds cool. Are you drinking beer, Tom? Maybe. Is that gurgling in the background? <laughs> beer percolating its yeah, way up I mean, I showed up because it's Sunday. Somebody had mercy on me and dropped some beers in front of me, a, a lovely selection of beers and I picked a Guinness Rye Pale Ale because... A, I'd never seen that beer before. No, nobody's seen it. And and B, it was blue. The label was blue, and I, it was exciting for me. Let me tell you what happens uh, when you're an Australian. People come over, you know, hang out, little party, whatever, and um, they think you like beer because you're an Australian. 
So they always bring over six packs of various lovely beers. Uh huh. And um, I'm not much of a beer drinker. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry, Australia. I do. I will have you know a beer every now and then on a hot day. Pub days usually when we used to pub yeah, it. Used go to, to the pub. Have a, beer. have a beer in the pub. I mean, you got to. It's yeah. the only way to digest the food you can eat there. But uh, generally, don't don't drink a lot of beer. More of a shardy fan. I think we've established that over, yeah, the, we over the months and years. Probably get going on the show. Yeah, actually, I was going to say that's what's good about this show is it's going to be shorter because we're going to get a lot of feedback. Mostly from myself, which is by about two hours, ten minutes, I'm like, oh, God, make this thing stop. So we're going to um, try and shorten this down a bit and get to the point, which is um, not happening so far. I just want to shout out to the uh, Patreon peeps. As always, we sent them a nice little uh, audio piece, which is about how the studio was going. There's much more that's going on there. And I should also say a shout-out to Caleb from The Tesla Show because I don't know if you remember that uh, we talked a lot about Caleb and he went with Robert and they went to the factory and I said Tesla Show about 12 times and I said, Caleb, if you do not advertise our show uh-huh. on your show, yeah. I will come up there and I'll go all Tesla up in your business. Oh, you were going to go Tesla up on him. And what does uh, that mean exactly? Uh, you nobody know, knows, but it's go- electric and it's fully rechargeable. And uh, he was very nice and gave us a shout-out. So, hey, nice. The Tesla Show. Thanks, Caleb. My second favorite of The Tesla Show's. Ooh, what's first? Can't can't decide. Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I just want to give you a quick update. The Waverly lines uh, do continue. Autopilot uh, 2.0 hardware with Wavy lines, not safe. Tried it a couple of times more. Um, just don't, you know, don't rely on it if you've got the Wavy lines. It's all over the place. It's like a drunk 16-year-old. Don't do it. Um, is this thing on? What? Uh, Tesla, when are you going to give us a firmware update? And on that point, there's a couple of people that are kind of really pissy at Tesla right now. This is an article from Teslarati, which says the law firm of HBSS is filing a class action lawsuit uh, because they said important safety features in the Tesla that people paid for. Is that your lawyer voice? Yes. Is your lawyer from uh, Connecticut or Vermont? And or I something? believe that he is from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> and it says this. Uh, we paid for this stuff and it's not on it and we're not happy. And then Tesla's response is, this lawsuit is a disingenuous attempt to secure attorney fees posing as a legitimate legal action, which is evidenced by the fact that the suit misrepresents many facts. Many of the features this suit claims are unavailable are in fact available, with more updates coming every month. We have always been transparent about the fact that Enhanced Autopilot is a product that would roll out incrementally over time and that features would continue to be introduced as validation is completed. Subject to regulatory approval. Furthermore, there's a furthermore. furthermore, We have never claimed our vehicles already have full self-driving availability, as our website has stated in plain English for all potential customers, which is a problem if you don't speak English. (laughs) It is not possible to know exactly when each element of the functionality described above will be available, and it is highly dependent on local regulatory approval. The inaccurate and sensationalistic view of our technology put forth by this group is exactly the kind of misinformation that threatens to harm consumer safety. Have that people that are suing Tesla with this stupid class action lawsuit. Would you see yourself as being part of this at any point? Like how long? Like, so let's say you have wavy lines for another eight months and you don't even have basic autopilot usefulness. Basic. The stuff that you had before. Um, I think my situation's slightly different. So I don't even have the basics. It's not improving because there is a, there is a problem with my 
cameras. Yes. So I guess you could have a class action lawsuit from the wavy line people if it doesn't get fixed soon. Oh, the wavy line But you'd have to be a little bit of a, um, I don't know what the word is because I'm really going to try not swear this episode because I'm listening to listener feedback. But you'd have to be a bit of a, I don't know, squirrel's buttocks to uh, go into a lawsuit over my wavy lines. I just want to tell Tesla, I know you're going to fix it, but is this thing on? Could you hurry up? This kind of uh, class action lawsuit is absolute horse hucky pucks. It's clear that they were going to roll this I thought out. Thought it was time. squirrel buttocks. Uh, oh no, you're a squirrel buttocks if you're part of it. Yeah, and it is, is. a horse hockey puck. Exactly. So, okay. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and I want to be clear because I've been getting a lot of criticism lately. I don't like criticism, Tom. I love it. I am thriving on it. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But um, a lot of people saying, "Why are you critical of Tesla all the time? You're in the Falcon Wing doors and all this stuff." And I just want to say again, I love this company. Uh, we want them to succeed. I have pumped a serious amount of cash into the buying of Teslas and solar panels, and soon. Uh, Tesla Powerwalls, they must succeed. I'm all for it. But one more time, let me tell you, it's not okay to be a fanboy. You've got to criticize them. So, hey, is this thing on? Could you fix my wavy lines? And Tom got a troll. You know you've made it in the podcasting world. I don't even really want to talk about it. I don't know why we have to talk about it. Because it's so funny. (laughs) Tom got a a Twitter troll. I did not. We... Did. I'd like to think of it more as you. Why me? Because I was responding to yes. him? Yes. So we have this Twitter 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 troll. Please don't say it like and, that. And, uh, you know, he was just like, this is the worst podcast ever in the history of the world. These guys are idiots. Uh, they're just so socially inappropriate. They're stupid. Listen to any other Tesla show. All of the other Tesla shows are much better than this show. But I'm pretty sure he only sent that to us. Does that make him a Twitter troll? Well, you did some follow-up, and he has 17 listeners. So uh, I do. Maybe, he may have got out well, to now 17 you've, people. Now you've given it away. Oh. Now he's gotten his satisfaction. I know, but I don't care. I thought it was funny. I thought we'd made it, because as soon as you've got a big hater who's hating on you, you know you've made it in this industry, Tom. You but, know. But didn't we have uh, one earlier that used to send us that sends us letters? Doesn't he count? No, he doesn't count. John Ford is a good guy. He's like uh, trying to make us believe things that we don't want to believe. But he's not a troll. <laughs> this okay. guy is a troll. He's an angry troll. We did have a troll at the beginning. You remember? Remember one of our first comments on iTunes, Tom? I do. <laughs> it was funny. I think it's still there. It is still Because you can't get rid of them. Hey, and that just reminds me, if you like the show, go on to iTunes, leave us a comment. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. No, if you don't like the show, leave us a longer comment. Do this. Do something useful. Give us five stars, but just rip into us in the actual <laughs> words, because I think that would be no, pretty do, fun. Do. Give us feedback. I really, we're looking for feedback. Uh, I want to talk to you more about some changes and things I want to do in the future here. Hey, let's talk about a Tesla crash. So uh, this is from uh, Electric. So this is Tesla driver, and he's minding his own business when all of a sudden he's driving a Tesla. And his words, not mine. Minding his own business? He was minding his own business, but he was driving what he referred to as a potential Potentially two-spirited? Yes, a tad two-spirited on the windy roads here in the Cal that is Fornia. And a deer jumped out and said, hello. And he went flying off the side of a mountain. He thought we probably tumbled uh, 150 to 200 feet down the edge of a slope and ended up upside (laughs) down. Uh, But the crumple zones all worked and the cabin was fine and they had a few bumps and bruises. There were two people in the car and they survived. And he thought, there's no way I would have survived this in any other car. It turns out when they went and investigated this crash, they actually tumbled 500 feet down the side of a mountain. They tumbled 500 
They tumbled 500 feet. Is this your new song coming out on iTunes soon? Uh, this is all very anecdotal, but we do know that the Tesla is very safe. So I thought we would sort of go over some of that safety test stuff because uh, it's been a little bit confusing. Would you like to sort of jump in here, Tom, and tell us? Yeah, so there is found? a lot of data, and it's just hard to know when you're what data that you're referring to when you say it's safe. It's safe. For sure. So it depends on what crash test data you're referring to because the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which does very, very extensive crash testing, they do yes. side testing and yes. they do offset crash testing uh-huh. and stuff like that. In the latest version of those, the Tesla actually fell a little bit short and didn't get their top rating. They got their second from top rating due to head and... uh neck injury possibilities right the head has Mm -hmm. some grease paint on it and it hit some places that it probably shouldn't have what you mean by that is that they put the little plastic dummy dummy in there that's cool and they put grease paint of different colors on different parts of the dummy Mm -hmm. dummy they then take your tesla and smashy smashy boomy (laughs) boomy it and then they look at both the internal video and Uh where the grease paint lands and they say well if your head is colored in yellow and then there's yellow paint splayed all over the roof yeah, the car, your head probably hit the roof. Yeah, of the car. a couple of times. So yeah, that's what bad. happened in this particular one. So that's why it didn't get the highest rating. And we'll put some links in to the latest models. And then the other thing that we've talked about many, many, many times on this show is twice. why twice, many times, or twice, Once, twice. Why Once. isn't there crash test ratings for the X yet? I know it's what's a little... the situation, but I think I may have found the answer. Please in answer the, your own in question. In the FAQs on the uh, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. Go on. So in the FAQ section of the uh, IHS website, there was a question. How do you decide which vehicles to rate? Question mark. Are there certain kinds of vehicles you don't test? Question mark. And the answer was, and I quote, we try to cover as much of the marketplace as we can. Our testing prioritizes vehicles with high sales numbers that are used by mainstream drivers. Two things that Tesla Model X does not qualify for. Thank you. Uh, Two kinds of vehicles that we don't routinely test are very high-end exotic vehicles and large SUVs. We don't test very high-end sports cars and other high-performance vehicles because they're generally purchased for reasons other than safety. Really? I think uh, (laughs) that's correct. Go on. But I mean, but that doesn't mean you don't want to be safe in it. I think that's that's a little bit of a misnomer, but I get it. Uh, the size and weight of large SUVs mean that compared with most other passenger vehicles, they start with a higher level of protection for occupants in the most common kinds of crashes, and they represent a small segment of the passenger vehicle market, which I actually disagree with greatly because I think they don't. I think they represent a pretty large segment. Well, SUVs do, but if they're talking about the large SUVs, which here in the United States, for those of you outside the United States, large SUV in the United States is about the size of a small planet. It's like the Yukon it's like XL, the Death Star, the Denali, the Yukon Denali, the big suburban, right? That's the big full They're size. massive cars. They are big, but they but and there's also like been thoughts that they also have easier rollover, right? So like they different do. kinds of But if you are in this massive SUV and yes. you hit, I don't know, for example, a Honda Civic, <laughs> in general the Civic is going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you versus the Civic in that particular situation, that is correct. Um, And then what they go on to say, we are always monitoring sales trends, and if a vehicle becomes popular, we may add it to our test list. Exceptions are also made when the manufacturers request and pay for testing. So this, again, is the 
Institute. This is an insurance institute. And then there's the National Highway Safety Board. Transportation Safety Board. And they also do testing. Which is slightly methodologically different and sometimes result in slightly different results. And they do different types of tests. That's correct. And they also have not tested the X. They have not. But let me go through the history of the Model S just to, because a lot of people like me, I believe, are confused because it says on the Tesla website uh, dated August 19, 2013, that the NHTSA, which is the safety board here in the United States, gave the car a five-star overall um, rating, and it got five stars in every category, front, side, you know, all of that rollover. And it got a combined score, actually, of 5.4, which at the time in 2013 was the best ever safety score that it ever been given to a car. So Tesla told the world, this is the greatest, safest car in the world, according to this it's testing. It's the greatest, most safest, hugest car in the history of the planet, I believe, was in the press release. Yeah, it was from New Jersey. And then uh, beginning in 2016, after this insurance agency came out and said, the sort of, you can bong your head on the B pillar, the middle pillar, um, it's a bit of a problem. They actually extended the length of the airbag so that that would be less of a problem. So if you go to Motor Trend, which uh, was uh, I read an article just yesterday on the safety of these cars. They say in general, although they haven't tested the latest versions, the 2017 sort of model version, they said that the Model S is an extraordinarily safe car. How safe? Very safe. And as we move forward... As it becomes more autonomous, as more of these features come online in everybody's car except for yours, Melvis. Right, which apparently will never be autonomous. Is this, then thing, those car, is this thing on? Then, then those cars become even safer, right? 40%. The, the safest accident, Tom, is the accident you don't you know what, everybody? Just take a second to absorb what just that. Think about just that. absorb the philosophy flying out of young Mel Herbert there. There you go. And if they can reduce the number of crashes by 90%, it could be made out of, I don't know, um, feather dusters and spit, and you'd be fine. So would the feather dusters and spit be like an option, or is that going to be standard? No, it would be standard because we're really trying to get the okay, price of good. this. Yeah, Speaking man. of autonomy. Speak of autonomy. There is an article on inverse.com, which is an amazing infographic about how Tesla Autopilot sees the world. It's actually a group of infographics, if you really think about it. When you think about it, it is more than one. Therefore, it is a group. What is the plural of infographic? Is it a clutter, a cluster? Is it a herd? I believe it- it's infographi. There you go. Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, ADAS, are these systems that not just Tesla, but a lot of people have. Um, They note that people get really confused about the different terms and what these things mean. And so they created this infographic and it shows, you know, you got some cameras up the front and you got some radar over here. And we don't want to turn an infographic into a very poorly spoken word uh, explanation. Oh, please speak about infographics in great, great detail for the people. I would just like to say they're pretty. Yes. Uh, they are full of information mm-hmm. that is in a visual format. Mm-hmm. Go check out the link if you want to see how your Tesla sees the world. And it sees it in rose-colored glasses. Everything's wonderful. And rosé-colored glasses when it wants to have a couple of drinks. Yeah, it gets a little less safe when you do that. Yeah, no, I'm aware of that. And speaking of which, there's some more Chevy Bolt autonomous uh, driving videos again. Oh, my God, did you watch this? And uh, it's zipping around town, and it's stopping for squirrels and raccoons and stuff. But Tom found in one of these videos a problem that he would like to describe. I don't know if it's a problem. I I actually think it's the exact opposite of a problem. But there was very, very much so a raccoon in this video. So it's about... 
an hour and 15 minutes of nighttime driving around the lovely city of San Francisco. Which is a lovely city. Which they sped up into an eight-minute time lapse. That's shorter than an hour, so that was probably going fast. No, I mean, it was driving normal speed, and then they sped it up. No, but so therefore it must have been driving really fast because, you know, do some maths here, it's going like 10 times faster. So it was probably at times doing 600 miles an hour. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I think that might not. And it still drove something, which is really (laughs) impressive. I think that might not be accurate. But indeed, a raccoon crossed the road in the middle of it. It stopped at stop signs, stoplights, made right turns with pedestrians, all kinds of things. You should check it out. And at about 6.30 of the video, in the lane that the car is driving, a car attempts to parallel park. So you know how you're driving down the right-hand yes. lane in a car, and a car is stopped with its blinker on, and it's turning to make a parallel. It's going to stick its, its big old nose. is going to whip into the traffic right, and then back it's out. It's backing up into a parallel parking spot. Yes. The bolt stopped for it. Yes. And then it started to do its parallel parking. Yes. And before it was quite finished, like we all do, we get impatient with it's these like, people. Will you hurry up? We Herbert? just sort of whip around it. And the bolt did. And that surprised me because I would have assumed yes. that it would wait the whole time. So the autonomous driving in the Chevy Bolt is really quite agitated. I've got places to go. <laughs> I don't know why. I just know I've got to get there. Well, I don't know if it's agitated or if it's just being very well taught about real world driving because I'm not saying, I don't think that. Because you go around a car is unsafe. That actually might be safer because it lessens your possibility of getting in a rear end collision by someone who doesn't see you stopped in a, in a driving lane, right? We're not in a, a parking lane. We're in a driving lane at that point. Yeah, I wonder, you know, we wonder how these algorithms work, whether you, you know, the software engineers can look at all this and go, you know, next time that situation happens, probably should act more like a human which should just wait there and be kind of pissed off that they're parking their car and then go. I don't know which is safer or not safer, but how tweakable are these? Like every tweak, does it require another billion miles of uh, testing? I don't know. There was also some very interesting right-hand turns on green lights with pedestrians in the, in the, in the intersection, in the crosswalks. A very interesting uh, one hour of video that you can watch in eight minutes. What they don't tell you, I don't believe I, that they said whether this was how many times the driver had to intervene during that hour. They make it seem like it does the whole thing. It said zero. zero. It did the, say the zero. The article itself said there was no interventions within the wow. whole drive. And in That's the impressive. bottom left corner, you see the autonomous green uh, indicator is on. Mm-hmm. And it never goes never off. Breaks. Right. So wow. that's pretty interesting. And so the full video, I'm sure, is all over everywhere. I found it at the media.gm.com website. We'll post that into the show notes. It's definitely worth watching because I think, again, San Francisco is one of the most difficult driving environments. And it was going all over the place, downtown, you know, making difficult left turns, making stops as if it was an Uber, for instance. Like it made three stops at scheduled locations within the within the drive. So pretty cool. So if it's that good, like this was a complicated series of tasks that it was super complicated. If it's that good and there wasn't one intervention, why don't we see it released? Is it simply because, okay, that was one drive around town and they did 10 others and they killed four people and... Uh, they just need to do this in a billion miles of driving. So this is their best case scenario. So it's in science, you know, it's science week. Uh, just because you published this doesn't mean there aren't 12 other videos of it screwing up. 
Yeah, and there may be 12 other videos of it chewing up. It also may be that whatever this hardware package is, is not ready for release. Like, it could be the 12 computers are running all of those sensors in the back. I mean, it doesn't really... I didn't see anything about what sensors were on it. This isn't the... This isn't what we're calling, like, this isn't what's already on the bolt. This wasn't a factory-ready car. This was, hey, this is an autonomous thing that GM's, uh, their autopilot cruise, I think it is, maybe, is what, I don't know who runs it. But anyways, it's the part of GM's company, obviously, that's working towards autopilot is building this. And so it could have five LIDARs. It could have a giant chicken bucket on the roof of it. We just don't know. We don't see what the car looks like. Yeah, the current bolt, Grandpa has one fully loaded. Uh, doesn't do autonomous driving. It right. does a little bit of uh, there's a car coming to crash into you kind of stuff, but it doesn't do anything like this uh, video. And if it reads this article, it's probably crying a little bit so, right now. I got no skills. That's not cool, man. That's, I got no skills. Or it's super proud of his cousin. He's like, you go, Joe. Yeah, you, you're the best. Look at you. Hey, let's talk about Tesla's cash. I mean, Elon's cash. So this is from Bloomberg. I think Tesla's cash and Elon's cash are pretty much the same They're thing. very much linked. Turns out that Elon has... 5.27 million options tied to market cap and Model 3. And uh, he's ha- so far reached six milestones of what I believe is 10 milestones. That is correct. And he is about to, if he uh, gets the next couple, get $1.4 billion with the B dollars. Let's quickly go over this. So a um, couple of these things, you know, when you're when you are uh, got a big company, people are giving you cash and you say, you yeah, know, we're going to build this uh, car company and the board says, okay, that's fine. Here's the pile of cash. We're going to give you more of this cash when you do a couple of things. Because, you know, since we're giving you this cash, we want to get some more cash back from you. I'm not giving it to you for fun. I want a lot more cash back. So here's what you got to do. I want you to make sure that the, the complete Model X engineering prototype gets done. And check. if that gets done, we check it, you get some cash. Well, you know, he doesn't get cash. So you know how this gets, works. We've talked some, about this about six stock. times on this show. He gets some stocky that right. he can cash in. He gets about 500,000 shares for each one of these 10 milestones, which equals the 5.27 million total bucket. So here we go. Complete the Model X vehicle prototype. Done. Complete first Model X production vehicle. Done. Complete first Model 3 engineering prototype. Done. Aggregate production of over 100,000 vehicles. Oh, yeah. Complete Model 3 vehicle prototype. You know that happened. Complete first Model 3 production vehicle. Oh, come on. Is that not done yet? Not done yet. Oh, not done yet. Gross margin for at least of at least 30% for four consecutive quarters. That's a tough one right there. That's yeah. a tough one. They've done like 19 and 23%, but they haven't quite gotten up there. That's a pretty fancy one. Aggregate production of 200,000 vehicles. Getting close. And actually, from this article, they've actually done that, but it hasn't been certified by the board. Aggregate production of 300,000 vehicles? No, sir. Not yet. So if he does all this stuff, he will get about $1.5 billion in stock at its current level. Additional. Additional. And I say this, Tom, does he really care about this? Because really his fortune is linked to the stock Price in general and all of these other things don't really important. Like, what's another $1.4 billion? But then I was thinking to myself, you know, a billion here and a billion there after a while, that starts to add up. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird question that you ask. Why does he care about that? Of course he cares about it because it's a lot of money and $1.4 billion will let him do other things that he's really into, like put money towards AI, put money towards space travel, put money towards... uh digging holes all over the city of Los Angeles, all kinds of little pet projects that he has in pursuit of being an evil villain. I mean, saving the world. 
Um, you know, he also went on to say this, Tom. Yeah. So he was talking to the peeps at the German factory uh, where they make the machines that make the machines, and he was like, it's all good, we're all going to be okay here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, the stock price, I believe, could go up another 20, 10 or 20-fold. If it does that, because of all the market sectors that they can get into that are worth, as we've talked about on the show before, trillions and trillions of dollars, then um, it could be the biggest car company in the world. It could be the biggest company in the world. And Elon could be the richest man in the world. It's gone up tenfold in the last, like, I can't remember how many years. If he wants six to years, be the richest man in the world, it's gonna happen again. my guess is he's going to have to go and be an oligarch. No, because if they're a trillion dollar company, a half billion dollar, a half trillion dollar company or a trillion dollar company, because he owns 22% of it, he will be worth 100 to 200 million billion dollars, which will make him richer than the Gates that is Bill. Yeah, I'm but just I mean, saying. but richer than the Gates that is Bill. But there are other folks, I believe, that are richer than Bill Gates. Well, it changes every week. But the last few months, Bill's been the richest yeah, man in the he's world. He's been doing, he's done very well. Microsoft's been, uh, you know, been hanging in there. So just to put a little button on this, Elon does on. hold 33.599 million shares of Tesla stock. I don't care if those shares are worth a cent. If you've got 33 million of them. That's a lot of dollars. Well, I mean, if they're worth a cent, then you've got $33 million, and that makes Elon sort of like, oh, darn it, I only got $33 million. Well, it's actually you get $3 million because it's divided by 100 million. So yeah, I don't know. That's it's math. It's like $3 yeah. million. But since they're worth uh, $304, <laughs> wait for it, wait for it, Thomas. Hey, Google, what is Tesla's stock price today? As of 7.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time last Friday, Tesla is trading at $306.67 a share on NASDAQ after hours. So I did the math real quick on that number. Yeah. About $10-plus billion, just in the Tesla ownership alone. About 20. Again, the company's worth about 50. It's hovering in the $47, $50 billion of market cap, which... You know, we talked about people think it's a little bit crazy. So he's worth about $10 billion. It's on paper. He recently paid an almost $600 million tax bill on some of those options that were expiring. That's a serious tax bill. Yeah. That's a lot of money, buddy. <laughs> but as my uh, accountant tells me, if you're getting a big tax bill, it's okay because you're making a lot of money. Yeah, that's correct. Your, your accountant is 100% accurate, buddy. I believe that's math. Yeah, I mean, if you pay six hundred million dollars in taxes, at the worst, at the worst, you have to have another six hundred million dollars. <laughs> I would hope. Just good, just to where you focus. Do you focus on the taxes, <laughs> or do you focus on what you got in the bank? He's got a lot in the bank. Hey, let's talk about uh, some uh, latest Tesla colors. I love these Tesla color stories because they're so silly. This is from Business Insider. It's not silly. Come on. This is coming out. It's not silly. Well, it's a bit silly. Audi is making EVs. Um, Plan for 2018, not 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got this new one coming out that they say is going to do these things. It's going to go 0 to 60 in, um, boy, uh, 4 point something seconds. 4.3, I think is what it was. Top speed of 131 miles an hour, range of 300 miles, a 95 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, it'll charge to 80% in 30 minutes with a 150-kilowatt charger, but I don't know where you're going to find one of those. And by 2025, they say that 25% of its cars will be EVs. It's very Tesla-like with a touchscreen and lots of cameras, but I say to you, this is still vaporware until I see it. Okay, well, you should have gone to the uh, auto show when they announced the car. So you're getting your Audis a little bit mixed up. Okay, tell okay, me about so the Audis that are real. this particular article... 
is for the Audi e-tron Sportback concept that was just announced. Right. That particular car, they believe, is going to be in about 2020. <laughs> Thank you. I knew I missed that. Yes, now, 2020, now, the special year. <laughs> now, the regular e-tron Quattro, which was announced in 2015 at yet another auto show. Yes, is due in full production in 2018. And according to Wikipedia, very, very detailed information on Wikipedia, Yes, the Brussels factory that they're going to build it in has already started to be sort of retrofitted to produce those cars. And that car will cost around 77000 US dollars. Holy smokes. So about three years or so to market if it does come out in uh, 2018. And this Brussels plant produced about 120,000 Audi A1s in 2011. And I believe it's currently making the Audi hybrid plug-in. Okay. Which is just a lovely automobile that has – what do you think the range of that car is? So it's a plug-in it's hybrid. It's a plug-in hybrid, so it's commuter probably, car. Yeah, it's going to slip to probably 60 or 80 miles. No, it gets 16 oh, miles 60. of EV rating. It has a ginormous 8.8 kilowatt-hour battery within it. It has three modes, which I actually think is pretty interesting. You have your full battery mode. Right, you have your hi- You have your hybrid mode. And then they have this this other mode, and I believe they call it battery save mode. You just turn it off. No more battery. Gassy gas. Just mode. use the gas. All right. Well, 2020. So the no, summary 2018. Is, no, for that piece of no, for the sport. Okay, yes, for the sportback concept that they yeah. just announced. The Tesla Killer 2020. 2020. Thank you. But they're they're all again the biggest problem, right? Is using the term Tesla Killers. None of them are Tesla Killers because Tesla's not going anywhere, and Tesla doesn't care, right? Tesla is not sitting around being like gonna die we're not gonna make it they're just not gonna do that because they know they're making quality vehicles except for the one they made for you uh which you know is is still a quality vehicle it just doesn't drive itself that's really let's let's be completely honest about your s right the only problem yeah currently yeah is that it won't drive itself yeah yeah pretty much everything else about that car is i don't know perfect let's keep this into perspective yeah okay just wanted to make sure that everybody but realized that it's not other, the entire car. Other people's cars are driving them around the freeway, and it's not mine. True, other people's cars are driving saying. them around the freeway. But I want to talk about batteries. Do you? Yeah, I want to talk about the Redflow.com, which is a, it's an Australian company, mate. So what? these Australians, uh, mate, they really believe in this uh, idea of uh, these flow batteries, where you've basically got an electrolyte, a cathode, an anode that's sort of in liquid form, and uh, and these are really good at industrial strength kind of batteries. We've talked about it many times. Well, there's this Australian company called Redflow that have now sort of shrunk it down <laughs> in size, mate. No one understands a word you're saying when you start talking about talking like it's that. It's really hard for an Australian to do an Australian accent. <laughs> right so they've got this 10 kilowatt hour capacity little dude, mm-hmm. littler dude. We'll get to how little it is. It's pretty tiny. And um, they are trying to sort of get into that home storage market, which is quite big in Australia that is Oz. They are, yeah. And uh, this uses non uh, lithium components, and they say this is better because you can charge and discharge many times like you need to at a home if you want to be off-grid, and you don't lose capacity over time, which lithium batteries probably will. They do, and and we've been talking about these flow batteries. So this was the battery you talked about where like you can get much more capacity just by increasing the size of the fuel tanks yes. that are along. This is not the and model. Liquid. This is not the model 
that this particular one is based on. But I think it's actually pretty fascinating. 10 kilowatt hour capacity, no degradation over 10 years. Uh, it was a fully charged episode uh, that That's I saw on YouTube. And so we'll post that YouTube thing. It's the fully charged. He goes to Redflow. He talks to the gentleman. He shows them all the information that you that you would love to have. Uh, it's a zinc bromide flow battery. So it has some toxic aspects. It's about the same toxicity as your lead acid battery. So that's not great. Yeah, it's a uh, well, it doesn't burn, which is good. That's not he says. The reason that he said that is because the bromide is an ingredient in uh, fire extinguishers. But I don't necessarily think that's 100% accurate in this particular case. Well, I read a couple of reviews saying it probably won't burn. I don't know how many they're le- left on fire. So there's one. that's one thing that people worry about is having a giant lithium battery in your house or yeah. attached to your house is that if it overheats and starts burning, that would be bad. They say that's going to be less of a problem with these. But don't drink it because bromide, not so good for you if you drink it. But if you're drinking uh, your battery... You've got bigger issues. And it has like sort of an – at the moment, it has like a narrow operating temperature, right, in which it will will work between 10 and 15 degrees uh, Celsius, which I had to figure out was about 50 to 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And it has a maximum cycle temperature of 50 degrees Celsius, which is about 122 Fahrenheit, at which point it will just turn itself off. And once – the temperature goes back down, it will turn itself back on, and it's fine. So in somewhere like California, that's not too bad. It doesn't get that cold, although in winter it'll drop down lower than that. And in summer it can get hotter than that, 122 degrees. So somewhere like California, it might be okay. The other good thing about these is that you can completely discharge it, and then it'll fully recharge again. Or you can fully recharge it and walk away for three years and come back and it'll still be there. So there's a lot of upsides to this, but some of the downsides is that these are big, heavy, and expensive. So the 10 kilowatt hour one is big. It's about 240 kilograms, twice as heavy as the Tesla 14 kilowatt hour battery. And it is physically much, much larger. It's pretty big. I don't know what what is it twice the weight of the Tesla battery? Twice the weight of wow. the Tesla battery and the Tesla battery has more and it is way bigger. It's big, but this they also in this uh, fully charged episode they showed they opened up a shipping container where they had 60 of them daisy chained together yes. to hey. make a 600 kilowatt hour uh, storage unit. Yes. And the Teslas can only max at 10. Yes, then you have to go power pack. pack. Right, but that's a hundred and so, but that's one hundred and forty thousand, right? For what, hundred to two hundred kilowatt hours? Yeah, I didn't so. do the power pack uh, conversion. I think the real big thing that they were pushing on this show is the lack of degradation. Yeah, but uh, we know the cars don't degrade much, but the t- cars aren't getting cycled all the time. I don't know where we're at with the cycling every day of your home battery. Right, the the they cycle every day, and this. You know, if you really dig deep into the FAQs and all that stuff on the website, there's quite a bit of information on the Redflow uh, website. It's 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 interesting enough that you might want to spend a little bit of time reading some of that stuff. I just like the fact, again, it, it kind of controls itself. If it needs to be discharged, and it needs to go through a cycle once a week of being fully discharged and fully recharged, and it kind of, it sort of heals itself. In a lot of ways. So once a week, it'll battery fully discharge. Battery heal thyself, right? It'll fully discharge, take all the zinc off the plates, put all the zinc back on the plates, 
It's pretty cool. Yeah, I was actually looking at specifically thinking, okay, here at the studio, I want to get battery backup and all this stuff. And uh, let me look at this Red Flow battery. But it's a way more expensive than the Tesla and uh, probably even more expensive because it's in Australia and you right. get it sent out here. Not so, available in the stage. Right? So uh, if you're in Australia, take a look at them. Um, and the key thing, though, is that this is about 80% of the size or it's about shrunk by about 80% of what you'd expect for a 10 kilowatt hours. He's really done very good at shrinking it down for the home market. But don't you think it's just interesting from a technology basis, yes. right? Like these giant flow batteries, the first one we saw like a couple of months ago was like the size of a house, and now it could it could power a house, be, and it it's compact, and house. I think that's pretty cool. It's uh, moving quite along. Hey, uh, let's. Uh, we talked last week, and this is from Clean Technia, that um, you know coal... The coal mining museum, as it mm-hmm. were, was now running off solar. It was running off solar because you know why? They were out of coal. They're full, fully out of coal. We're in this country. No, it's empty. It's empty of coal. We've it finished quite it. quite true. They did it because it costs less. Oh, wait a minute. We're not out of coal? So now this Berkeley Energy Group, it's a coal mining company in eastern Kentucky, is building the largest solar farm in Appalachia the, on the site of an old coal mine. Which is pretty cool. So they ran out of coal in this coal mine. Now they're going to put up a 100-megawatt solar installation. And they say they're excited about this because it's going to bring back lots of local jobs and stuff. And uh, there's a great quote here. It says, When a coal company elects to build a solar farm instead of digging up more coal, the renewable energy transformation is well and truly underway and gathering speed. I can do you one better. Please do. I can do you one better in the quote realm. Go. Kentucky has long been an energy producer that has powered the entire country. There is no reason why we can't continue to be that, but we have to adopt an all-of-the-above energy strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a moment of silence for coal. If Kentucky can do it, we can all do it. Hey, let's talk about Supercharger. Supercharger. Tesla Rati has an article here, and this is Jonathan McNeil. Uh, he uh, works for the old Tesla. And he went to South Korea, and they came. Uh, he said that they plan on having 14 supercharger stations in South Korea in the short term. Six in Seoul, which is obviously a very big city. Three along major highways and five across other major cities. Remember that South Korea is the fifth largest market for luxury cars. In fact, the Koreans like their electric cars so much, there is a six-month waiting list for your Tesla. What are the top five luxury car countries in the world? Do you know? I would think the United States. That's one. Probably some very rich Arab countries. Uh, Dubai. No, that couldn't be the large... We're talking large markets. So probably the UK. Maybe. Australia? Japan? Australia doesn't have enough cash. I, I have know. no idea. I know. We should find that out. Hey, Google. Oh. What are the largest markets for luxury cars in the world? Sorry, I don't understand. No, nobody does. We'll get back to it. So, uh, uh, Robert's not here, but uh, I believe, Tom, you must have put this in here. I uh, did. I'm trying to steal Robert's thunder. Steal his thunder and do it fast. Oh, do it fast. Okay, so uh, supercharger update. There are uh, three uh, open new open superchargers, six new ones being built, and two new permits were issued. Uh, Bristol, Tennessee, Grantham, UK, Bolingbrook, Illinois, Balacola, Ireland, Flatonia, Texas, and Girona, Spain, all under construction. Rolling Meadows, Illinois, that's two for Illinois, getting a permit uh, Brit- along with Bristol, Tennessee, 
Arlington, Texas, El Paso, Texas, and Aon Provence in Valdea are open. So that's good, but here is a problem. There's a new show, at least it's new to me, called Teslanomics. It's a YouTube show with mm. a YouTube guy talking about Tesla things, and he does a very good job. And uh, he just sort of did some math with using some uh, other people's data, and he made some maps. And it's a really, really a good show, but it's uh, titled um, Supercharger Apocalypse. <laughs> so. Where in the world, Tom, is the worst place to own a Tesla if you use a supercharger a lot? Los Angeles. That's right, California. Because we have a huge number of Teslas, and we've got a lot of superchargers, but if you look at the number of Teslas to supercharger stall, um, we're the worst place in the world right now. And guess what? He says, just doing math, simple math, you know that they're going to sell an enormous number of Model 3s in California. And those waiting lines that we get fairly frequently in California can only get worse unless they build, I don't know, an order of magnitude more superchargers in the California, which is not planned. They're doing a lot of building out. Yes, they're going to double the size of the supercharger network, and they're going to try and do a tenfold increase in the destination charges. But it is not going to be fast enough. I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is not a reason not to buy your Model 3. But if you live in California... I guarantee you that we're going to be talking in six months about how bad the lines are at the supercharger station, unless version three of supercharger comes out, which we will get to a little later in the uh, letters section. Ooh, China, number one, by the way, luxury car market. Of course. I should have known. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, SpaceX and aerospace. So uh, happy Earth Day, which was a couple of days ago. And uh, Tom, you wanted to tell us about a beautiful picture that you found. Yeah, so the, uh, to celebrate Earth Day, Tesla released a photo of Earth taking during the latest mission, the SES-10 mission. Uh, that was the mission with the first reused rocket and yes. also the mission where they got that rocket back. Thank you. And recovered the fairing. And as that fairing was plummeting down to a fiery reentry, yes, took a picture of the Earth. And it's beautiful. The fairing is in it, yes. and you see the Earth. Yes. And so Tesla released this on Earth Day as a gift to humanity. A picture of the Earth turns out, Mel, I don't know if you knew this, round. Really? Mm-hmm. You sure? Totally round. I mean, it could be a flat disk. Was That's there possible. a pink elephant holding it up? There was not. No, there was not. There, that didn't exist. No. Hmm. So uh, that rocket, as you know, landed, or as I said, landed, and that rocket will not fly a third time. Why is no, that, Tom? It will not. It Why? will be donated to the Kennedy Space Center for their museum. Oh. And so that's exciting. It's a great photo. Take a look at it. Some beautiful clouds on the on the Earth as uh, the fairing goes back down into space and. I'm going to give you a little update on some uh, planned next launches. Oh, I like my launches. By Go. the SpaceX. Next up in the Eastern Range, Tesla targets in April 30th for the launch of a classified National Reconnaissance Office satellite. Shh. Hey, Shh. Tesla Nation, don't tell anybody. We're probably going to be looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 don't tell anybody. We won't know. We don't know what time it is. That's going to take off again from uh, Pad 39A. Uh, it is going to have an NROL-76. Oh, you know, that's yeah. so much better than the NROL-75. Yeah. That they one was, was terrible, was fraught with time. problems, fraught with problems. It's going to have a two-hour window opening at 7 a.m., and uh, the first stage will be expected to land on Cape Canaveral, so not on a barge. Back home, back yeah, on the Cape Canaveral, it is so. Cape. And then the next one after that, they're targeting May 15th, which is the day... 
that Essentials of Emergency Medicine kicks off in Las <laughs> Vegas, which is amazing. Oh, wow. And if you're out there, you should definitely tune wow. in. He just used this as an That's actually the pre-day sure. for Essentials of Emergency Medicine. Wow. It's the day after my son turns 17. Oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting news. And you know what we should do? What? Open the door before I die. Yeah, we probably should. I mean, I'd rather hear birds than me hit the floor. I'll tell you that right now. Um, okay, so, and then SpaceX is also targeting May 15th for the launch of an Inmarsat 5 commercial communications satellite, and no earlier than May 31st for a resupply mission to the ISS, known as CRS-11, and those Falcon 9 launches will all be from the Kennedy Space Centaur. Doesn't it seem like uh, SpaceX is getting its rocket on right now? Oh, they are getting their rocket on. We're, we're going to fire rockets every two weeks. But that's good for them because they want to be a rocket company. They want to be dependable. They want to test it. They want to get the crew members up there eventually. So there's a lot of work to be done. And and I feel like we've all been waiting for that Falcon Heavy launch. Yes. Where three we of them go up and three of them land. Because I don't know about you. But the only thing that could make space travel more exciting than SpaceX has already done it is to do it three times. I want to see three rockets land at the same time, dude. I want to see that badly. That might be reason enough to blow some carbon credits and fly there and see it. That's going to be epic. That'd be cool if I had any carbon credits. You should get some. I should. Hey, let's do some meter and apps and then some letters and let's keep this puppy on Mm -hmm. time. But before we do so... Uh, let's have a word from our sponsor, Wonder Capital. Our company is Wonder Capital, and I'm Brian Bursick, the CEO. So we've been doing this series of ads for Wonder Capital, and we've learned that this is a company that you invest in. They take that money and they help predominantly produce uh, commercial solar installations, and then you get a return on that money. And we learned that they're doing this because they really want to push things forward. They want to be able to look at their grandkids and say, I did something useful. You know, it wasn't just another hedge fund manager. But I asked Brian a very pointed question. Given these political times, given that the current administration really is going out of its way to say we are for fossil fuels without really going out of their way to say we're also for renewables, how does that affect the industry? And therefore, how might that affect me investing with you? I wrote a blog post about this shortly after the election because, as you might expect, it's a it's a common question. I think, actually, solar's in kind of surprisingly good stead, and I'll explain why. The big federal support that solar receives, the only substantial federal support outside of, you know, baseline R&D science type stuff, but for our projects, is a tax credit called the Investment Tax Credit, the ITC, that Congress extended last year. Uh, one of the few things that Congress got done in the U.S. was extend this solar tax credit from the end of 2016 to the end of 2022. It uh, extends it current until 2020 and then tapers down to 2022. And why that's so important is that the modeling of where the solar costs will be in 2022 show that that's the point at which solar is cost competitive without subsidy. So really, as long as this bill that was passed through Republican-controlled Congress, bipartisan support, as long as that stays in place, which it would need to be revoked. It would, you know, there's not, uh, there's not any additional action that need be taken. You know, people who read the political tea leaves for a living, and I do not, seem to think that that's very unlikely. And I guess I could add to that because of the show, we've been watching solar prices plummet and uh, already solar is becoming cost competitive without these subsidies. Elon Musk himself has said the same thing. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Wonder Capital with a U. So go to wondercapital.com forward slash Tesla so that we get some love. But remember, of course, 
This is investing. Investing isn't without risk. Make sure you talk to your investment professional before you drop some bank. But if you're looking to invest some money that's not going to go to the fossil fuel industry, give Wonder Capital with a U a good look. Wonder Capital. Do good. Do well. Uh, so here's my media pick. Oh. I just watched Split. It's uh, M. Night Shyamalan's latest movie. Trailer was amazing, by the way. And he made this movie for $9 million. It has currently surpassed the $250 million in worldwide ticket right. sales. That's sort of an M. Night thing, though. M. Night Shyamalan um, obviously had some huge movies in the 90s. And then he had some movies that weren't so good. Yeah. And I think that he is at his best when uh, the people who run the uh, movie-making industry yeah. say, M. Night, we can't trust you with a $150 million movie, but here's $9 million. Write the crap out of it, make it interesting, and have an acting performance that is spectacular yeah. and see what you can come up with. It had to have just come down to that one guy, though, like really proper casting, really well executed. So was it really good or was it okay? Are you recommending it or are you just I saying it? I recommend it because... My son and I watched it last night, and we were fascinated. It is psychologically so good. And you know with M. Night Shyamalan, there's going to be a twist, so you're trying to work out which way is the twist going to go, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I really, really enjoy it. Is it, it scary? Because I'm going to tell you, Melvis, I'm very interested in watching this movie, but I hate with like all of my know, heart scary Tom's movies. Tom's a wimpy guy. So, like, it's not I, scary it's like not, there's, you know... Uh, bugs coming out of people's eyeballs and stuff. No, it's psychological thriller more than a horror. But there's not. It's for me. It's like the jumping out of yeah. At you. I no, don't it's, like that. It's stuff. much more the psychological. Right, I think I, you I can live like, with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So and my app is Dropbox. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Wow, really going deep. Uh, Dropbox is huge, big and large. If you have uh, stuff on your computer, you should be backing it up all the time. You should be. And this is not a paid advertisement. And uh, you can set Dropbox to uh, automatically upload your photos, and then you can access them from different places. You can uh, send links to people. Dropbox is fantastic, and I find their iOS app to be quite good. So, ladies and gentlemen, free advertisement for Dropbox. It only has one weakness. If I share a Dropbox with you... Kryptonite? No. That would be Superman's weakness. Okay, go on. If I share my Dropbox with you, and you're like, ooh, that's cool, I'm going to drag that out of there and into another folder, it drags it out of my folder. And that's That's no bueno. Because it's, it's like it's 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 like one folder that everybody has access to. It's great for collaboration. Like if you're working on one of your beautiful PowerPoint presentations and okay. it has I don't know seven or eight thousand spelling errors, yes, I can fix it while you're working on Thank it. Thank you. That'd be <laughs> Same great. thing. I'm sure you would like that. Okay, I have. I'm going to do it in reverse. I'm going to give you the app first Go. and then the media pick. Go. So the app is SeatGeek. And I have been a StubHub user for many, many years. StubHub, which here in the United States is the way you get tickets. That's correct. And then I was like, I'm going to look and see if there are other things. And I found SeatGeek. And me and my son went to a ball game. I believe it was a Wednesday night. Dodgers. take? You out to the ball game? I took him out to the ball game. I believe it was the loss. Take me out with the crowds? I did. There was a crowd. Give me some peanuts and cracker jacks? We had neither of those things. I don't care if we ever come back? Uh, We had to come home because he had school the next day. Okay, that's the Dodgers song. Nobody else knows this. <laughs> no, that's everybody's song. Is it? That's is that the, the seventh is that the, inning stretch? Is that the, song. Yeah, everybody yeah. has Take that? me out to the ball game. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for being a stranger. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, uh, and so I scored some Dodger tickets on the reserve level, probably face value of these tickets in the thirty to thirty-five dollar range, section ten, row T. If you're really concerned, 
paid three bucks a pop for them what? on the day of the game. So what? went to the game. It was about six bucks, eight bucks for the tickets with the SeatGeek charges of two dollars, which yeah. is pretty good. And then I bought my parking in advance from the Dodgers online for ten bucks. So two of us, Dodger Stadium, lovely evening. Sunset, and if you've never been to Dodger Stadium and you're ever in Los Angeles during baseball season, you have to go. It is yep. a beautiful place to be, but I digress. My media pick is the Left, Right, and Center podcast, and I get it. I didn't go deep either. Whatever. This podcast has been for years, even before this turmoil, before the Obama turmoil, before any of our political turmoil, has always been there to provide a sort of Nice conversation about the left, the right, and the center as it pertains to the political situation in our country. And in no time like now are those voices more important. I find it actually also very good. But I should go back to your Dodger Stadium. I really don't care about baseball. I find it pretty boring. (laughs) But there's nothing better than a beer, a Dodger dog, and the sun going down on a warm summer's night at Dodger Stadium. It's Glorious. A little breeze. Yep. The palm trees out in the distance. Pretty much they could be doing anything down in that field, and it's going to be good. They could be playing test cricket, which may be even more boring, but I, I like it. For some I've reason. seen soccer games at Dodger Stadium that were pretty fun. I've seen um, you two at Dodger Stadium. No, I've, I've never been to a game with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the Irish And I'm only band. one person. Yeah, it's funny. Hey, let's do letters, ladies and gentlemen. Let's boys. do them. Let's do Brett with a T. So not Brit, but Brett. Brett with a T says, Mel, settle down. I want to talk to you about the Model Y doors. First of all, he says this. You're not going to get uh, Falcon Wing doors on your Model Y because Elon initially tweeted out, we're going to put them on there, and then he deleted the tweet. Delito. And uh, the reason that's going to happen is because the Model Y is going to be a much cheaper car. It's going to have to be punched out fast like a Model 3. So they're going to save those special expensive and breakable doors that smash you in the head for expensive cars. And so don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. And uh, he also said that uh, the show is too long and that on Reddit, apparently, a number of people are talking about they don't listen to the show anymore because it's too long. I have a question for those people. I understand that the show is long, and I understand that we can blather on a little bit every once in a while. But so why can't you just not listen or fast forward through the parts that you don't want? don't you have that same thing? Like I've got some podcasts and I pull them up and it's like, oh, it's two and a half hours. I haven't got two and a half hours. And I don't think I'll just listen to half an hour. I just like there's a psychological trap there. I didn't realize there's a stop or a pause button. <laughs> it just seems to go right. And push but but I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I just listened to Hardcore History, World War One. Oh there's God, no like, possible. It's 16 hours. It goes forever. Two and a half hour, three hour episodes of one guy talking by himself. There's one difference. Dan Carlin is a genius. It's very dense. It's very deep dive. But We're you not. can't listen for two and a half hours straight. So you listen for 20 minutes. Uh, when you're walking the dog, and the next day when you're walking the dog, guess what? 20 more minutes, you could do that. Or you could just listen to uh, up to the point where you're sick and tired of hearing Mel's and Robert's voice. Oh, there's one person missing there. Let's go to Tom Wills. Uh, next, uh, uh, driving next to trucks. Now, he says this. Uh, we talked about uh, some truck stuff, and he just wanted to remind us, be very careful about driving next to a truck, not just because your car might swerve into it or the car, the truck might swerve into you, but I don't know if you've driven on freeways, you'll see these giant pieces of rubber that have flown all over the place, and that's because truck tires every now and then when they blow, they blow big. 
and you don't want to be next to that truck. And I was talking to my brother-in-law, who was a long-haul trucker for many years in Oz, and he just wanted to say, just give a shout-out to those truckers. They're doing great. And tell the people that are in their Teslas and all the other cars, just tell them how long it takes for a giant semi-trailer fully loaded to stop. And if you realize it takes, I don't know, approximately forever, you'll stop cutting them off. Yeah, don't do that to trucks. Five car lengths is what they want you to to what uh, they recommend. He was recommending you get in front like of them. about a half a mile when that thing's at full speed. <laughs> yeah, it's good. But he was ripping across the Malibu plane right. with like seven of these things together, and it's like I can't stop that for a week or two. Although, let's be honest, if you're in Tesla, if you're in a Tesla, you're not getting in front of a big rig and stopping. You're flying past it. Don Miller says this. Um, he's concerned about this plan for the VW. A charging network that's going to come out of their multi-billion dollar settlement for Oopsie. lying to us. And he says that they're going to be investing a lot of these where there are already charges already, that uh, they're not going to be following a standard, which is a problem because we really need to get a fast charging standard. I'm not sure if that's true. So he's, he's saying they're going to put some Chatamos in, they're going to put some CCS, they're going to put some other things in. And he was saying he thinks it actually might work against having a robust fast charging network until we can get to the point where we just have one standard and go. What do you think, Tom? I agree. I mean, I think that you definitely need to have one standard, although maybe it's just two standards and an adapter. I don't know. I, I don't know what the long-term ben- – I've heard very good positive things about CCS and its ability to charge. I'll be honest with you. I like the size of that adapter much, much better than I like the size of the Chatamo adapter. I agree with so you. So that's a bonus. The Chatamo adapter also feels a little bit exposed where the CCS adapter feels like most of the metal stuff is sort of a little bit more embedded within it. So that would be my personal choice. I don't understand why we can't have a standard, because we all use round tires. Well, this standard would have to be ramp-upable. So if you could have like a CCS or a Tesla, whatever it is, and then as we get more robust ways of charging, speeds of charging, types of charging, as long as we can get that up faster and faster without having to change the nozzle again, that would be okay. Right, the- but, but why? Because look, when, when this country started having automobiles, yes. we had visible gas tanks, Yes, correct? Yes. Big giant things at the top, they filled with the amount of gas you were going to buy, yeah. and then you put that gas into your car. Yeah. We don't have those anymore. Yeah. And uh, when I started driving, the, the gas pumps looked very different than they look now. Yeah. Right? So they can switch them out. And it's, again, yeah, it's just over a cable. Time, but uh, the nozzle on the car, if it's locked in, you can't be changing the nozzle to feed the car but every five minutes. But that's just a no, another adapter. And ho- hopefully, as more and more cars become available, more and more adapters will become available. And His biggest concern, though, okay. Tom, is not this. All right. His biggest All concern right. is the fact right. that they can charge for the charging, which he thinks is a bit of a problem. Why don't they use those billions to make it free? Well... Okay, got nothing people to say. don't appreciate things if they're free in the long term, right? Oh, like podcasts? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. No, not like podcasts. I don't know. What do you think about that? Because I guess they there should be some part of it that's free, and I guess they wouldn't be doing it otherwise. At this point, we need infrastructure. What I didn't like about this is that 40% of the money is going to California uh, for California charging, and I get it, and we're going to talk about it in another letter, why having compliance vehicles available in California is a problem potentially for people in other parts of the country. Let's look to Bruce from Australia, and his name is Bruce Dawson, and it doesn't get more Australian than that. It doesn't? Bruce Dawson. It's Dawson, like that's the... It's not not Dawson, it's... Dawson. Bruce Dawson. Let me try and say it like I used to back in the day. All right, here we go. Bruce Dawson. Yeah, Bruce. 
So Bruce, uh, we got him sucked into the show, really likes it. And so then he showed us a video of people uh, going from Brizzy down to Melbourne, supercharging. That's Brisbane to Melbourne. And, uh, and he said Sydney, not. Well, uh, it just basically shows the supercharger network in Australia, which Brisbane to Melbourne is a long freaking way. Yeah. It is thousands and thousands of miles. But is it beautiful? Is it a lovely coastal drive? Yeah, it's drive? a coastal drive. It's wonderful. There's fish and chips. There's beer. It's full of Australians. It's absolutely spectacular. And how long would that drive take you? It would take you days, unless you try and do it at once and you drive constantly. And I did that when I was a kid. Yeah. And it took me like 18 hours. Is there a lot of good like surf on the way? Like, Could you do a nice vacation just driving Absolutely. that route? Absolutely. Stop in Sydney and go to the harbor and do go up the northern beaches and then go to Port Macquarie. And Oh, lovely, could Thomas. You, could you find Dora at the Sydney Harbor? Dora's everywhere, mate. Because you know why? Mm. She's an explorer. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Di Antonio, no, no. I'm sorry. This is for you anyway, mate. It's about R4 about the uh, Chevy, uh, not the Chevy, the Mark uh, Toyota. Dan, Mark D'Antuono, I think, is what it is. I hope I didn't butcher that. Yeah, you so did. this is a gentleman that I have also been conversing with on Twitter. He sent me us a private message about this very thing, which I answered him, but I will now answer to the general public. So he said to me, uh, "Is it? do you think I should buy a used RAV4, 30,000 miles, $18,000, available in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Where they have cheese and beer. They they have cheese curds, they have beer, they have a lovely baseball stadium as well in Wisconsin. Go on. And... He wanted to know whether or not he would, should pull the trigger on it, but would there be any service issues, right? And they called Toyota Corporate because I said, hey, if there's no service and no EV technician around there, then that's a red flag for me, right? So I guess they contacted corporate Toyota Corporate and told him that they would have to ship it to a qualified service center in California to get anything in the drivetrain or traction battery worked on. So again, if you need to have something reset in this car, Mm -hmm. that's an EV technician. And even the EV technicians, the next level of that is they have to wait for Tesla, somebody at Tesla to sort of pull it up on the computers there and solve some problems. So if the system needs to get rebooted, because what it is is there's a there's a Tesla computer and there's a Toyota computer and there's an interface computer because the Tesla it's a Tesla drivetrain. Yes. And the interface computer sometimes decides it doesn't want to translate anymore and that thing has to get reset. Uh, like so I've had that happen. I've had to have multiple things changed in it. So not Don't a great idea, but I think that this is a perfect example of why what I said earlier that it's difficult when you make a compliance vehicle just for California, then you're only supporting it in California and it can't get pushed out even for people who are dedicated to the cause in Wisconsin, it can't stick out. So your buddy's going to have to drop a little bit of cash and buy a used Tesla. And I was looking around at the used CPO website. Yes. I feel like the prices are Still pretty high, they are high on a lot of those cars. I looked at some in Florida, New York, Chicago, and Texas, and they were like the most inexpensive ones were all around the fifty thousand dollar mark. Yeah, Elon was bragging in a tweet how that uh, secondhand Teslas are holding their value so well, which is good on the one hand, but bad if you want to get yourself into a secondhand Tesla because they're not dropping as much as we had hoped. The reason other electric cars had dropped so much is because they had a lot of battery degradation and they didn't go very far. Since there's not much battery degradation and these are superb cars and they go a long way, they're holding their value quite nicely. So I would recommend that your friend lease or purchase a Bolt because my guess is that if they're available in Wisconsin, then Chevy's going to service them in Wisconsin and you'll all be good. 
Thank you very much. Christy Morgan said she couldn't stop laughing when we were talking about Casey's record for the longest distance uh, to drive in a Tesla. Now, you called out the 100D owner without a P, but she heard without a P as in E-E as in unable unable to pee because both of those things are probably necessary (laughs) to take a 100D and drive it at 25 miles an hour and do 650 miles. (laughs) So that was kind of funny. I don't know if we want to do this next one. It's political. It's a poem. You want me to give it a shot? If it's good, go. I don't know if I can pull this off, but I'm going to try. So this is called Ars Poetica by Donald J. Trump, Uh, although it was written by Tiffany Midge November 8th, 2016. Trust me, I'm a poet. I have all of the words. I have the best words, the most tremendous words, bigly, huge. Those other poets are a disaster, just a disaster. I'm going to build a wall around those other poets' words because no one has more respect for words as me. I love words. I respect words so much. I love them so much that I would date my own words if I wasn't already related to them. I'm going to make poetry great again, and I'm just the poet to do that too. When it comes to words, they're just so beautiful. I just start kissing them, and I can do that too. When you're a poet, they let you do that. They let you do anything. I'm on those words like a mystic. I grab them by the muse. Words are great. They're a beautiful thing. I have the best ones, though, because I'm the best. I'm a winner. Words love me. I'm huge. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, Alex Kimber has some quick notes from the UK. And he says, uh, UK had its first day where it was using no coal on the grid. Good on you, UK. I'm happy with you, UK. And he also reminded us that the fully charged guy... That's another YouTube show that we really like, Fully Charged. We talked about that one earlier. a guy called Robert Llewellyn. I knew I knew him from somewhere. He is from this old British comedy series called Red Dwarf, which is hysterical. You should watch it. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. And Ian Abercrombie says, uh, you know, traffic-aware cruise control, be careful. Because he's noticed when he's cruising along and the car in front of him decides to turn that your traffic-aware cruise control slows way down, way more than it should inappropriately, and I have noticed that in the X, it gets a little freaked out. It's like, I'm scared. They're turning. Maybe they're going to stop. So how does it know they're turning? Does it, Can it see the turn signal? Or is it like, what is the indication that the I car think what, is the reading? The car is seeing that it is, well, the car can see it moving and it sees it slowing down because usually when you're going to turn right. off like that, you're going to break. So it puts those two together and I think it freaks out a little bit right now. Okay. But don't you think that that's actually pretty safe? Because haven't you ever been in a situation where you're driving next to someone or behind someone and they've got their signal on and maybe they start to move over a little bit to the right because they're going to make a right-hand turn and then they change their mind Yes, and they keep going yes. straight. If the car didn't think like that, it could theoretically just drive right just into them. By it? You, no, drive into them. Like so let's say it's behind yes. it and a car is making a right turn and then the, the Tesla doesn't slow down at all and the car comes back like at the very last minute, that could cause an accident. So I think that's actually a safe way to do it. Well, he thinks it's just being excessive. And I guess what I just wanted to bring up is the point that you still need to be in control. Yes. Um, because we're not exactly sure how it's going to act under different circumstances. So please, again, one more time, public service announcement, please be in control of your car until we get this 100% uh, level 5 driving. Chris Whitehorse House. <laughs> Try again. Chris Whitehouse. Yes. Um, said uh, the UK, no coal for a day. 
Apparently the people in the U's and the K's. Pretty excited about the fact that they use no coal for a day. And uh, Blaine Havens. Blaine. Blaine says, look, I love the show. Mel's got a great accent. Stop yeah. swearing because I keep wanting to have other normal people listen to the show. <laughs> and it's, there's F-bombs and all through it. And, you know, I think you're right. I think part of the program that we want to create, especially going forward, yeah. is really family friendly. So- Educational, science, funny. Mm-hmm. And as my wife says, swearing is the lowest form of humor. Now, I have no problem with swearing. I'm all about the swearing. <laughs> But you're right. I'm going to try and do better at that. Tom is too. I am too, yeah. So so I guess we're going to say that this show doesn't have swearing because I get complaints the other way. Not that they're swearing, but like if you're going to swear, just swear. Don't beep them out. Make it, make it part of the show. We're all adults here. But I get it. That's not people want. It's weird. People are sort of looking towards us now to be their source of news for Tesla because they don't have the 40 hours combined 50, searching 60. the news that we <laughs> yes. do, right? And and that's what we do. Like, I, you know, daily updates in, in the Googles about the Teslas and all that other stuff. Um, and next is Joel Sapp. Joel Sapp, who is from what? The Tesla Black Caucus because it's Tesla first wording. That's what I have to say. <laughs> there you go. So Joel sent us this thing and the summary is – that it is a cooling system, a thermal conditioning system, so that you can no charge. setup, no setup by you at all. It's about a patent that Tesla applied for, and we are wondering. Joel's wondering. I'm wondering. Lots of people are wondering yeah. if this is version three of supercharging because, you know, a number of months ago, Elon said version three supercharger is coming and 350 kilowatts <laughs> week. So the only way you're going to be able to get that kind of speed, mm-hmm. and we're talking like. 80% charge in five minutes yeah. is if you can cool this down. So there's patent. There's lots of pictures here. It looks like the car goes over the top of something. There's an electric charger on there. It's all got to be super cooled. And then your car goes over the top and goes plugs in and boom, and you fill up your car really fast. This is the kind of stuff we are going to need in order to have lots of cars charging very quickly. But the interesting thing about this, so we know that they're building superchargers very robustly. We talk about it every week on this show not fast enough this particular thing would require an entirely new type of construction at superchargers which they have currently done none of right right so i don't know how far down the line with this patent is or what their plans are but they better get busy if they think it's going to have an impact in the model three at any time soon because my guess is they would have to have started building these already Already. right so just remember that just because a company gets a patent doesn't mean it's actually going to use it. A lot of the time, at least here in the U.S., you get a patent to protect yourself from somebody else stopping you use technology that you've been using every day. Apple does this all the time, and people try and pass out, iPhone 8 is going to look like X, Y, and Z because um, Apple has a patent for solar uh, screens. It's not going to happen, but they want to put the patent down for later on, maybe yeah. down the road, maybe not at all. I would like my screen to be solar. That'd be great. Charge your iPad. Exactly. Right. Well, it would just Kip Spanbauer says, uh, look, I got this thing from uh, Lucket, and it's got uh, uh, information about the fact that there are a lot of permits for Model 3 production line. And there's even a picture of some new stampers of these giant robots that stamp out the thing. And it says also that Elon is going to oversee the operations during installation because this is a big deal. Model 3 has to work. It's the return of Elon's bed desk. Oh, I think so. You're going to see him in his little sleeping bag at the end of the (laughs) the line there. And Tesla Advanced Engineering Group in Germany is shipping two production lines for just the Model 3 inverter. So this thing is happening fast. There's lots of picture that Kip sent us. They are pretty cool. Uh, Jason Waller was concerned that, you know, celebrities like to drive big, fancy, expensive cars, but you don't see too many of them driving 
Teslas. And then, thankfully, he found an Instagram feed from Snoop Dogg, which shows Snoop Dogg showing off his Model X. And i got to say, good on you, Snoop. The D-O-double-G. Oh, he's got a white Model X, black wheels. Yes. Very, very dark windows. And absolutely t- terrible camera work. And uh, really? Like he's really, stoned or something. Really not good. Do you think Snoop's holding the camera? Uh, he's talking. I think he's, you know, It looks got like he got doobie. the seven-seat configuration. <laughs> I can't hear him talking right now. Oh, my God. He just got hit by the falcon wing door. No, he didn't. no he didn't. Ian Abercrombie says uh, you need to know the speed limit. So we were talking about, you know, you can use Waze and it'll tell you the speed limit or – you can use your maps and they'll tell you the speed limit. And he goes, mm-hmm. just remember, these are not very accurate a lot of the time. Remember that when you come into construction area, they can change them. Mm-hmm. So as always, I guess, same thing again, uh, you have to be traffic aware until we have full autonomy. Pay attention. And finally, Diego Corvetto, ah, who is Diego. a friend of ours, he's got this random funny thought. How funny would it be if your Twitter troll was a Patreon subscriber? That would be funny. Is that funny or is that irony? I'm just not sure. Hey, Google, play Isn't It Ironic? All right, ironic by Atlanta. Happy Earth Day, Tesla Nation. See you, kids. Let's let's talk next week, okay? Robert will be back. It'll be great. You guys want Robert to come back? I mean, I do. I was just wondering if you did. This is a lot shorter than it's been for a while. And not at all ironic. See you, kids. We're probably going to get a letter from whoever put this out. Alanis Morissette. Bye now. Well, boys, I'm sorry that you skipped over me. You changed the date of the recording session, and I couldn't get out of work. But it's been a hell of a week on superchargers. Tom, good try. Don't think you can do it quite like I do it. So it looks like there's been a lot in the supercharger world happening, and I don't know if that's because Mel's been griping and complaining all this time, but... I think maybe some of the credit can go to him, but other people, YouTubers and other bloggers and other folks on the interwebs have been complaining wholeheartedly, and the pictures of the lines, they're pretty impressive. I actually saw a picture of a lineup at the Fort Tejon Supercharger. That's the, I think that's one of the first superchargers that opened on the way between LA and San Francisco. There were 12 cars waiting in line to charge up, and that was before They installed those temporary superchargers I'd put out pictures of on Twitter. But just to get a sense of where we're heading, before that announcement, there's like 40% more cars over the last two years in comparison to superchargers. Get that? Cars have grown by 41% over the number of supercharger growth. And if you look on the Tesla Motor Forums, I report on Troy's numbers every so often, Thank you, Troy. It looks like globally, there's a ratio of about 40 cars per supercharger, which sounds great until you start looking at the details for us, right? We're reporting from California, Southern California. And in the United States, there's actually 48.6 cars per supercharger. So globally, 40% U.S., essentially 49 cars per supercharger. And in California, there's 104.9 cars per supercharger. That's like double the average. And if you look at center, like Los Angeles area or Bay Area, it's worse than that. There's like 120,000 Teslas in the United States. 
and there's 208,000 worldwide. Those are delivery numbers. And those numbers are going to start to increase remarkably in July as Tesla starts rolling out the Model 3. So if almost half of all the Teslas sold in the U.S. are in California, that explains why we're experiencing so much of this supercharger congestion. So number one update, Tesla website. If you look at tesla.com and you zoom in on superchargers, all of a sudden the supercharger map has got a lot of gray supercharger symbols in addition to all of the red supercharger symbols. So usually they list superchargers in red and you can see them. You can isolate on their website between stores, service centers, destination chargers. But if you just look at superchargers, all of a sudden, whoa, where did all of this stuff come from? So I'm just going to zoom in for a moment and give you an example of what's going on here in Southern California. From like within a couple hundred miles of Los Angeles, there are like 30 additional superchargers put on the map. There's a supercharger in Santa Barbara. Nothing new there. That thing's been on the map for the eight, for ages. But there's a second one in Oxnard, Thousand Oaks. They're going to put one in the San Fernando Valley in Calabasas. They're going to put one in Sherman Oaks. They're going to put one in Northridge. They're going to put another one up in Santa Clarita. And then down into Los Angeles, another Redondo Beach supercharger, Long Beach supercharger, Downey, California, Commerce, California, Pasadena, Glendale, Hollywood. It's like they're going all out. Even Santa Monica is going to get a supercharger. So on the Tesla website, they say, quote, charging is our priority, end quote. They want charging to be convenient, abundant, reliable. No one should wait to charge. In fact, they say you'll never wait to charge. Quite a statement. In 2017, as this has already been tweeted all over the place, they're planning to double the network of superchargers in the United States. And not only increase the number of supercharging stations, but increase the number of chargers at those stations. And I reported about that at Fortejon, another Twitter follower of mine showed in Denver the same thing where they bring these two superchargers with a supercharger cabinet on a pallet, drop it off and hook up a cable that's probably about three inches in diameter to carry the energy to that supercharger. They're broadening chargers within city centers. As we were talking, metro charging for people who don't have a charger at home. You live in an apartment building, you can't get them to charge, even trickle charge. You need somewhere where you can go and fill up. Tesla recognizes that. Tom, just chill. Superchargers are to make owning a Tesla convenient. And if we don't have superchargers, people aren't going to buy them. They can't get convenient charging outside of, you know, home plug-in level one, level two with a Bolt, with a Nissan, with a BMW i3, the number of CCS and Chatamo chargers are number one. There's not enough of them. And number two, they're not located in enough convenient locations. So this is big, especially with Model 3 coming. So I'm feeling that Tesla is finally kind of coming to the table with something we can really bank on as far as increasing the convenience of owning a Tesla and taking the fear out of the people who are contemplating their Model 3. Either they have money down or they're going to put money down once they see their neighbors get the Model 3 and be so stoked with this car. This is absolutely essential. And doubling the number of supercharger plugs, I'd say probably they need to go up by 4X. But hey, a doubling is a great first step. All right, boys. I've got a little bit of uh, 
breaking news. Got the opportunity to talk to an individual. I don't want to identify them in any way, but got the chance to talk to somebody who's on the Model 3 team and uh, worked on the design of the car. But let me just give you some of the, the tidbits that I got. Uh, number one, uh, this individual got a chance to actually test drive one of the pre-production Model 3s and thought it was a great car. In fact, uh, he's gung-ho on getting his, uh, and he's on one of the, uh, obviously, the employee pre-delivery list. Though he, he said that uh, he's got a little bit of hesitation and he may wait uh, till, till towards the end of that list because uh, that way they'll get some of the bugs out. So very confident that the car is going to be rolling out in July. Uh, don't know yet what colors they're even going to make the car. I thought that was kind of interesting since there's so many uh, people talking about what color they're going to get. The car is not going to be the Model S with luxury features, but it's going to have its own, quote, unique features, end quote. I wanted to know about other practical items like how big is the frunk? right? Because it's going to be a shorter front-end car. Sounds like the front frunk is going to be much smaller. So, you know, I don't know if that means much smaller than the original single-motor Model S or even smaller than the frunk on the dual-motor Model S because my frunk shrunk. It's about 25% the size. And then, of course, the most debated part of the Model 3 is the display. Will there be a heads-up display? Are they changing the dash to put up a binnacle display or the display you see through the steering wheel? Or is it going to be just the horizontal Model 3 uh, beta car, or maybe that was the alpha car? Is it just going to be the 15-inch horizontal screen we've already seen? Verdict is just the one. 15-inch horizontal center screen. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and CC Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Watson, and Robert Rosenberg. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. And finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.